0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. This is Joni Siegel, and I am co-host on this podcast. This is episode number 113. We are in our third year of broadcasting. Today... I have a guest who's coming in, and Jason will be with me for the interview. This uh, lady's name is Susan Korabek, and she and her husband, Greg, are founders of the Landon Korabek Foundation, and they do drug education and they support drug education in our area, and they also support music education for kids in our area, which is how I first became acquainted with Susan and her husband. They are quite dedicated. I asked Susan to come on the podcast to tell her story. She goes to schools and tells this story to students, and she talks to parents. So I'm going to introduce Susan Quarterback. So thank you for being with us today, Susan. I really appreciate you coming. Well, you had to come a little bit of a way to come (laughs) here and sit in the studio, and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I know that you go into schools in the area to tell your son's story. So share that story with us. Sure. In
1: 2010... I'll I'll just, I'll start off by saying that my 17-year-old son, Landon, who was a junior in high school, um, I'll I'll tell you the story and then I'll back up. Um, I actually found him overdosed in in my house. Um, But if I back up in time, um, you know, we had no idea that if if Landon was using or this was his first time of, of using prescription drugs. Um, I seem to think it was his first time, although we did know that, um, you know, he was smoking marijuana, and um, we were starting to get him help for that because his grades were not good, Um, sleeping in class, getting referrals, kind of the signs of, you know, things aren't going so well. And so we had started seeing a counselor um, with him, and, um, and at the time, this, again, 2010, I didn't even know about prescription drugs. I didn't know mm-hmm. kids were abusing. I just, you know, honestly had my head in the sand because I th- was thinking drinking and weed because that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know. So a little bit of naivety there. But um, my my son, Landon, um, it was a Thursday night and um, there was no school the next day. This is what I tell the kids. And, and one of the things I, I tell the kids about Landon is Landon was a risk taker. And when he was in uh, middle school, uh, when I say a risk taker, he was like a skateboarder. Skateboarded all the time and did all these crazy tricks and never worried about getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Same thing when he played football. He played Pop Warner football for several years. Offense, defense, played hard. But again, never worried about getting hurt and you know the most extreme story I tell what he did is you know one summer we were in Colorado and the ski slopes um, and he was mountain biking Um, and I tell this you know I tell my story and I said you know you go down a a mountain bike you're supposed to go down like you do on skis Mm. you know not landing he's going straight down because he's a risk taker I'm not going to get hurt and nothing's going to happen to me so, you know, my belief is is that this Thursday night well, when there was no school, the next day he went out with his friends, he said he was going bowling, and he, he did, he came home around 11 and was behaving normal, didn't seem like he was under the influence of anything. And um, the next morning um, he was sleeping in because, you know, there's no school. And I thought, well, I'm going to go wake him up because he's pretty much wasting his day away. And it was 12 o'clock, and um, I knocked on his bedroom door, and he didn't answer. So I knocked again, and I, and I opened the door, and I see Landon um, sitting up in his bed, and he had his glasses on, um, and his TV was on, and his cell phone was in his lap, and his eyes were closed. I'm like, Landon, you need to wake up. Um, and Landon is not waking up. Um, and I call his dad, and, and Greg comes in, and we try to wake him up, and he's not waking up. And we call nine one one, and my neighbor's a paramedic, and or a fireman paramedic, and he ran down, and uh, uh, Landon was pretty—he was gone by then. Mm. Um, and we came to find out—I mean, he—he he was alive as of three a.m. in the morning because he was sending text messages. Oh, um, we didn't see any alcohol. There wasn't any. Weed sitting there in front of him. I mean, he was just completely out Um, And then when the autopsy came back, um, we found out that he took a combination of Xanax and Vicodin I mean, I don't know how much I never read the autopsy because you know, it's too painful, but um, you know He died of of respiratory arrest so you know Having being naive didn't know and you know the sheriff's department saying well, where did he get this stuff? How did he get it? I don't I don't know you know, you know, do you have it in your house? I said, no. So, um, and this is what I I tell students. I go, one pill can kill, one time can kill. You don't have to be an addict. You know, my son didn't know what he was doing. I mean, whatever, but, um, certainly, you know, that, that was his story and he could have been doing it. I don't know. I don't have any evidence of that, but his behavior may be a little suspicious where he might've been. Right.
0: Did you? It, first of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> Being a mom, yeah. Did you get any clue from his friends? Did they know anything?
1: You know, it's really interesting because you know, you hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. So there were always some friends that I was like, didn't particularly care for because I had a, you know, as a mother, you have a gut feeling. And oh I'm yeah. Like, I'm not sure these are the best kids. Um. So yeah, I had a suspicion that you know maybe they were involved. In fact, after the fact, you know that was my first thing, and I would say, "Do any of you know?" And you know, you understand these are seventeen-year-olds; they're not going to say oh, anything.
0: Oh yeah, we're using
1: drugs. You know, yeah. but then you know, one of his good friends ends up getting Landon's name tattooed in gigantic letters down his back. So you wonder: is that some mm. guilt thing? Right. Is it you know why did that happen? I'm you know surely he cared about Landon, but it also made me wonder. Why would you do that? Right. You know. Um, Did you ever talk to him about it? I, I've talked to some of his friends. Um, you know, I always say to them, hope you learned. Hope you're all not making the same mistake. I mean, the school that landed went to, that was the second kid in three months. Yeah, and I read that been, on your website. Yeah, yeah, and there's been other uh, young adults since then, kind of in his same age group. But um, I figured their guilt, had. they had to deal with their own guilt, uh, me knowing anymore probably wouldn't change anything except for me to say don't make the same mistake he did
2: right right and i think it's a good point that you made about you don't have to be an addict to succumb to drugs because and again from my heart i'm sorry for what you've gone through but it's true the one time can kill the one pill can kill is extremely true and you know myself when i got into addiction i became a cocaine addict and i a week before i tried cocaine i was told hey you know this stuff can actually cause instant death i was a risk taker and so i was almost drawn to the things that were going to cause an adrenaline rush and say, oh you know i survived you, you know things like that so i i actually really understand that and i'm mm-hmm. positive many other families go through the same kind of personality trait with their own children and it's about being really vigilant about what your kids are doing what your kids may or may not be taking. And of course, having information about what's out there currently. And as you said, you know, you didn't have that information. When I became an addict for my parents, for my dad's in in the 70s, my mom's in the late 60s, it was pot and alcohol and random LSD. Right. And you know, when I was growing up, that's kind of what it was. And as it's gone through, it's like, they didn't have a lot of information about the drugs that are out there and what I was getting myself into. So it's like, the knowledge is power kind of thing. It's like the more you know, the more you can take you know, the, ne- the necessary precautions to make sure this some- this type of thing doesn't happen in your family. And I think it's great that you're going around and letting parents know what your experience was because your experience might save another kid's life.
1: Well, exactly. I and mean, it's about planting seeds. I mean, we tell parents, mostly I speak to students and right. then a lot of times we, I do Face It program with Pinellas County, which are the students that have been in trouble mm-hmm. and their parents or guardians have to attend. And we tell parents, your, stu- your children are two years ahead of what you know. And that's how far it is because they're, they're sneaky, they know things, and it takes you two years to catch up basically to figure out what they're doing. Oh, that's interesting. Mm,
2: right. That's interesting. Yeah, right.
1: I mean, even though we think we can see in everything on the internet and be aware, you, you can't because they're smart. Right, You know,
2: right. And we're in an internet age now where you can buy drugs on the internet. You need a credit card and a Wi-Fi password, right. basically. And so, I mean, the drug the drug culture sh- shifted dramatically in the last, you know, 15 or 20 years to where now, I mean, I always bring up the fact that I think it's kind of scary and Joni agrees that, you know, kids can pop little gummy bears and get stoned in school with edible marijuana. You know, it's things like that. It's like you always have to stay on the cutting edge of this stuff so you can know what to look out for as a parent. Exactly.
0: Right. So... You and your husband, um, just to back up, we we had a gentleman on the podcast via Skype who lost his son to an overdose, and he said, you know, I talked to my wife, and we decided there were two ways we could go after that happened. We could either close ourselves off from everything and kind of go down that road, or we could use the influence that I had in my job and do something about it. And you and your husband, Greg, have definitely stepped forth to do something about it. So tell us how that evolved with the foundation and where you're at now. Yeah. I mean, it's, um,
1: you know, we didn't know what to do, but I certainly didn't hopefully want to see anybody else go through that same pain. And like you said, even if you can touch one student, and make a difference and hopefully when they're at that party they're not going to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. I mean to me it's all worth it. So as I said the school that Landon went to was the second student in a very short amount of time and they had an organization come in called Note Pinellas, Mm -hmm. which is Narcotics Overdose Prevention and Education because not that I will ever hold the school accountable. I don't. I I think they're part of the the three-legged stool. It's the school, the parent, and the student to really kind of keep an eye on things. But when it was the second time and I was hearing them speak and tell their stories about people that I'd lost, I was like thinking to myself, I have to tell Landon's story because he's 17. This is the audience I need to tell. They can relate to that. And so, you know, and I wasn't a public speaker. I wasn't even sure what I was gonna say, but I just felt like I needed to do that. Um, so we got connected with that organization and, um, Getting into the you know Pinellas County Schools, middle school and high schools, and now they're even wanting us to go to elementary, which is oh, a little right. scary. But um, it's scary, but it's needed. Yeah, it's so unfortunate, but it's needed. It is now. We tell people you know it starts in sixth grade. So yeah. we got connected with them and and just wanted to tell that you know Landon's story again to plant those seeds. The other side of Landon's story is that he was an amazing guitar player, um, self taught. Learned could listen and learn how to play and then took lessons. I mean he was really really good and you know I loved it when he played guitar not only could I hear him play but I knew it was a way for him to deal with his stress Mm -hmm. and um, and then after a while he got kind of lazy and Greg's like you know what you need to play your guitar and it was almost about the same time Mm -hmm. so we wanted to do something that really took for his love of music and um, and really Put the music which i think can also be a diversion for kids in a way that be involved with music or lessons or some groups and hopefully maybe you won't do the other thing i don't know but um we've kind of put the two together they seem very diverse things but to, to us they go together to remember Landon and his love of music and his passion um you know to help offset the bad decision that he made and so we started our foundation to raise money Um, for these two very distinct things
0: right right so I know I know you've raised for NOPE you've raised quite a bit of money Mm -hmm. to help that organization and you yourself go into schools average how how often do you do that
1: Yes. so we have partnered with Pinellas County Schools for our presentation they had to approve it through their uh, health department and their health program and since 2011 or 12 I mean, I've probably spoke to over personally over 100,000 students, um, as well as um, every year NOPE has a a vigil in October to recognize people that either have been lost to addiction or still suffer for addiction, and I was presented at that as as well. So we probably do, you know, it's up to the school schedules, 10 to 20 presentations a year, plus the Face It program, Mm -hmm. which I talked about, which is a diversion program. Um, Additionally, I've also spoke at the Pinellas County, uh, excuse me, Pasco County Drug Diversion Program because I knew uh, Judge Crane, who's the Mm -hmm. judge up there. Um, And I've also participated in their program to tell Landon's story as well in their drug program.
0: That's awesome. It's awesome. Everything you're doing to help fight this program. Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. If you would like further information on the podcast, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us. Our email address is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. That's theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. If you have a story to tell, if you'd like to share your story, please feel free to email us or reach out on Facebook. If you'd like further information on Narcanon Suncoast, the number is 1 339 3324. That's 1 339 3324. Do you have a loved one struggling with drug addiction and you've tried everything to help them and failed? Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1 989 4499 today and say podcast to get a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one hour consultation with Bobby. That's 1 989 4499. Call today, say podcast, get your loved one some help. I would concur you know yes you could say well music is a complete it's a completely different thing than talking about addiction but um a couple of the people we've had on the podcast work with an organization called Rock to Recovery and they actually they're rock musicians and they're recovered addicts and they use music to help those in recovery so i and it's not a it's not a stretch when you think about it you right. know and and they also work with veterans and teach them music so i think and I also, I also know that music and art, when they are taught in schools, kids do better yeah. because it's a creative outlet for right. them. Do you know? So I think, I think that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, Landon was definitely the, the creative type. I mean, you talk about were there any signs. Um, when we were going through Landon's room, Besides the fact I found a gazillion referrals, which was a little (laughs) scary. I was going through his notebooks, and he liked to draw a lot. I mean, he was a doodler in class. But I could see, you know, I'd go through, and over time, his pictures became more Mm -hmm. drug-related. Like, you know, characters smoking a joint or pictures of weed plants and things Mm -hmm. like that. And i go back, and and now I'm looking at these, and I'm like... You know, i never went through his stuff to look at it but it clearly was kind of like his journal of mm-hmm. where his mind was right he wasn't like writing but he was drawing and um susan what's a referral excuse me i'm sorry referrals I mean. when he got in trouble at school oh. and
2: you get a referral to the office you get a
1: referral to the office because oh. you're not doing okay. what you're supposed to and he okay. wouldn't he didn't give them to us he mm. was putting them in his drawer mm-hmm. kind came to find out he had a lot of those but um but the drawing was very interesting yeah, you know, looking back again, it's this hindsight. You know, if you only knew now what you knew then. Right, right. Although I don't think you know. I, it, when we were always talking about the counselor, literally four days before we had been there, and I said to the counselor, "I think I need to do a drug test on Landon." And then after Landon died, I mean, I was really upset at myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I should have done that drug test, then they're like, Susan, you could have done that drug test, and even if you've gotten a professional one, you wouldn't have gotten that. The results back in between would have happened, so it was one of those things don't beat yourself up, Sure. right, right. but um it's just interesting again, it's that hindsight
0: well then it's and it's uh, i it's there's no way you can't second guess it there's no way you're not going to look at every single thing you could have done you wished you'd done there's just there's no way around that, Do you know, yeah, I but, mean,
1: again, because while you talk to parents, it's very interesting. I go, first of all, trust your gut, mm-hmm. yes. You have to trust your gut. And the other thing I've learned in talking to parents um, is you're not your your child's best friend. You have to be a parent. You have to set the rules. And if, you know, you can't be their best friend and be their buddy and their pal because you're the role model. And sometimes kids misread that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, one of the people I speak with, and her son um, also died of an overdose, a bit older. He was an addict. Come to find out that you know, he was dating his girlfriend and the girlfriend's father was smoking weed with him and doing drugs and so forth. And it's like, you know, you're not the best friend, right? You're the parent. And so sometimes we we remind parents that that is their job.
0: Yeah. And, Yeah. uh, And we've said on the podcast many times, Jason said it many times, you know, when we imagine that parents are listening, you know, and he's also talked to parents and they say, you know, I think maybe I'm not sure. And I don't know. And he says, do a drug test just do a drug test and, and narconal supply drug tests if you need it. Do you mm-hmm. know? Because parents know they, they the gut. Yeah. You and can see one, the change that, of behavior. And that's yeah. one
2: Absolutely. And that's one thing we will do for people in the local community is they can call and make an appointment and we can actually do a drug test on their loved one they suspect it and see what's going on. And then if something is going on, we can kind of help you plan what to do. Right. Because yeah. we have a strong interest in at least... Especially our local community, you know, handling whatever we can as far as the addiction crisis and drug crisis goes. So we're willing to do whatever is necessary. And um, yeah, hindsight is 20 to 20, but at least you're taking what's happened and moving forward to help others. And to me, that's admirable. And you're, you're there as kind of like that rock for other families going through the same thing you've gone through.
1: Right. And I mean, you know, people say, well, like I said, Landon died in 2010 and that was the the epidemic, and that was the peak, but it's still going oh, on. Yes. And like you were talking about, the gummy bears are vaping on jewels and yeah. all this kind of stuff. It's just changed. It's yes, it, it's it's
2: you can be sneakier now. Yes, yeah, you can be sneakier now. Right. It, that's it. That's one thing, but the other thing is you have to realize is that oh, I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say with this. It's like I know I kind of said it in. This way already, but it's like you have to stay on the cutting edge. Like knowledge is power when it comes to this, mm-hmm. you know, crisis. And yeah, the I guess the peak in, was in 2010. But if you look at the statistics now, one of the one of the biggest groups of people that are prescribed to the most often that's going overlooked are young teenagers. Well, actually, are teenagers and young adults mm-hmm. because you get the teenagers that are going to the dentist and getting dental work done, and then they're getting sent home with Vicodin, right. or they have they get hurt in football. To go get surgery and then all of a sudden fast forward 10 years later that's the beginning of the reason why they're strung out on heroin at 26 years old right you know we have to look at what drugs parents are actually okay with giving their children because a lot of it can start then because when when you're under 18 the parents still have the say and what the doctor is going to give my kid and then whether i'm going to i as the parent i'm going to comply with giving that to my child Right. And yeah. so that also has to be looked at too is in regards to the whole drug crisis because that's a whole section of a subsect of people we're not looking at. They're right. like, you know, 13 to 18.
0: I think yeah, I agree. I think I think one of the most important messages that you put out especially to young people is that one time can do it. You don't have to you know, have a 10-year addiction to finally overdose. You never know when that one pill, that one combination of drugs, and especially now when fentanyl is right. in so many of the drugs. And it, it, it's like, okay, it's a scare tactic, but it has to be. They have to understand. It's like when you when you're going to try these substances, you're basically playing Russian roulette with your life. It's no different than picking up a gun that's got one bullet in it and spinning the cartridge and trying it, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it, can, it, can, it can take one time, as it did with Landon. You know, Landon wasn't doing it for years and years and years. You right. know, one night's bad combination. You get the results you got, and it's, it's devastating. And, you know, I think what's so admirable is, you, admirable is you taking something that is that devastating and putting it out there, and I know you're saving lives. I know you are. Yes, thank you. That's exactly one of the things we do tell the students is
1: you don't know who those pills were prescribed to based on their body weight and Mm -hmm. their makeup. One pill, you know, you may think it's okay, but if you're not that size or we call it one plus one does not equal two, it's, you know, it's, you know, multiplied. Right. So, and especially when you combine, we talk a lot about combining. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And or whether you're doing it with alcohol because you just don't know. And yeah. And then we say, you know, it could be laced with something. You don't know where this stuff is yep. coming from.
0: Sometimes they're combined, even though you didn't know they were combined. That's you may right. think you're just taking one pill. You don't know what's in it.
2: Right. And right. in, you know? in Pinellas County, there's been a, a few times where it's been found, especially with Xanax pills, they're pressed to look identical to a Xanax pill. Um There's very few differences between these counterfeit pills and real Xanax, but the counterfeit pills have fentanyl in them. And so it's like, even if you're taking prescription drugs, you're not necessarily safe, because not all of them have come from a pharmacy, because some of them may have been,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, what's the word I'm looking for, recreated by dealers to look like what you think you're taking, but you're taking something you know, 500 times stronger. So it's yeah. not a scare tactic. It's like a real thing that's constantly happening. I don't feel like you and I or or anyone we interview and in talking about the fact that it's like, yeah, one time can kill you because fentanyl is everywhere. You never know what you're getting. You don't know who you're getting it from. You don't know if it's too strong for you or whatever. I don't think it's a scare tactic when it's like, that's legitimately what is happening on a daily basis here. It's not like a, it happened twice, now we're gonna scare everyone into thinking right. this is a thing. It's right. like, this is daily, right? unfortunately. This is an everyday thing and I've said this a lot of times, like right now is a terrifying time to be a a drug user. Because back when I was using, we were always afraid that people were gonna make it so it was so weak it didn't do anything. Now it's the the opposite. It's like the pendulum swung the other way. Now you have to be worried about things being so strong that you're not gonna survive that one dose.
1: Yeah, the other one is that I also tell kids is, A, you don't know where this stuff is coming from. And I say to them, I go, you think these are your friends? I said, but let me tell you something. I go, your friends are not your friends if they're trying to kill you. You That's have right. no idea. I said, why would you trust that? It's, it's like the Russian roulette. Yes. You just don't know. I said, they're not your friends if they're offering you something. You have no idea where it came from or what it is.
0: And they don't know how and it's they going they to don't affect know. you. They're Do not you know? your friends. Yeah.
1: So don't hang out with them. You know. I try to you know, pose that too because there's so much peer pressure today that yeah. – you know, there's lots of people in this world. You don't have to choose these types of people.
0: Yeah. 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 What kinds of reactions do you get from the students when you talk to them? Um, you know, sometimes
1: kids cry because we realize, we actually start our conversation to say, well, you know, we know you may live with us at home, your parents, your siblings, or whatever. Um, so we want you to know first that you're not alone. Um, So um, I get people that come up and obviously say they're sorry, and or they'll say, you know, I've been in a situation. I've heard you speak a couple times, and I actually was at a party, and I remembered. I remembered Landon's story, and of course, those are the that's the that's ones I what makes I it worth hear. it. Yep. Or you know, somebody who has been in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, I'm trying to do better. So it, it's it's really the gambit. I. With students, um, you always get the few that are heckling. Of course, and you're laughing, you know, because they think it's funny, or they think it's, you know, they don't, you don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Um, of course, then I call them out because I like to put them on the spot. And then with parents, it, it's interesting. I think it's, I get the fact that, gosh, that was eye-opening. I would, you know, you've really touched me because I'm sitting next to my daughter. Mm-hmm. could have been in the same situation and on the other hand i have the same parents that a different parent that could be sitting there yawning and going oh this is why am i sitting here because being put through this um but i think people are touched and especially because it happened right here so you're speaking local right it is right here it's down the street per se right um unfortunately too common
0: yeah and also you know, I think what, what makes it so powerful is that it's it's your story, it's your family, it's your son. You know, it's one thing for, you know, me to talk about it on the podcast, but it's it it's the world of difference when it's you, it's your story, and you've you've been there and you've seen it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I go through emotions. I mean, I, I, I speak a lot, but there's still some times where I get choked up because I just think about him, and I, I always say to the kids, I go, you know, my son will always be seventeen, always. Yep. I will never know what he looks like any other way, obviously, before that. And let alone, you know, he didn't graduate from high school or college or get married or, you know, yep. be an uncle in about a week when his brother has a child. I go, my son will always be 17. And I say, think about that. If your parents had to had only knew you for that long. Because mm-hmm. um, I am trying to just make that impression that, you know, the hurt, doesn't go away, it carries right. on in a different way. That's right. Because of his mistake.
0: Right. Of his choice that he made. Yep. It was his choice. Yes. That's true. You know. That's true. So I was gonna ask if you had other kids. I do. I have an older
1: son. He's okay. gonna have a child here in about six days. <laughs> Is this your first? First grandchild. Oh how exciting. Yeah. Do you pretty, know if it's a boy
0: or a girl? It's a boy. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we're wow. excited about that right. and is, are they
1: local no uh, they love uh, south bend indiana
0: oh okay well yeah, my grandkids are on the west coast yeah yeah it's okay. i'm leaving tomorrow to go visit my grandkids and, video <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> skype i my parents didn't have skype when my babies were little mm-hmm. so right yeah right so that's a good thing well i commend you for everything that you're doing i really do um if there was one thing one message you could put out to parents and loved ones what would that be what would you say Well, what I would say is first, addiction
1: or people that experiment, it's not selective. It happens to good families. It happens to families that are going through rough times. There is no, you know, choice. It just happens Mm -hmm. to all different people. Um, We were a good family. We were doing all the right things. Um, But go with your gut feeling. Stay educated. Try to stay up on what's going on. And most importantly, talk to your kids, use stories in the media or on social media as examples of, hey, this can happen, and listen to what your kid is saying. So, if, Because if you're doing 80% of the talking, then you're not, you're not listening. You really need to have a conversation, mm-hmm. and don't do it at a time where you think they're abusing and use it as a way to yell at them. Do it in a time when you're in the car and, and make it more... Casual conversations, so they know that you're up on things mm-hmm. and that you care and tell them why you care Because yep. they mean so much to you.
0: Yeah, thank Susan. Thank you for being with us today Thank you for everything you're doing. Thanks for having me. Absolutely That was a very difficult story to hear I knew Susan's story I knew that Landon had died of an overdose I knew the general story, but to hear her tell it, I think was very impactful. And I hope that if there's anyone listening who has a loved one and they're not sure whether their loved one is using drugs or they're not sure about um, how to get help, I, I hope if you're listening that you do something about it and you do something about it today i hope that you learned from susan's story that it can happen to anyone and if you're listening and you think it couldn't happen to you my guess is that you already suspect it might have or you wouldn't be listening um i've mentioned it before using drugs is really like a russian roulette especially today when you can even get marijuana laced with fentanyl. It's a scary time to experiment with drugs. And I'm just hoping that anybody listening is taking this to heart and either checking out their loved one, their child or their parent or their spouse and seeing if they're actually using drugs and if you're an addict and you're experimenting with drugs, I want to um, tell you to please get some help. You can go to, well, you can go lots of different places to get help, but the one we're most familiar with is NarcanonSuncoast.org, And there's a chat window that opens up and it's anonymous and you can chat with someone um, if you have any sorts of questions. You can call the number that we give, one 877 three, three, nine, three, three, two, four. And it's an anonymous call. You don't have to give your name. You don't have to give your loved one's name. You don't have to give out any information you don't want to, but you can ask the tough questions and you can get some answers. Thank you for listening today. We will be back again next week where we have a pastor who is a former addict who will be sharing his story. And I think that one will be very interesting. So please get help. And know if you feel like there's no hope and nothing that anybody can do, reach out because there's always something that can be done and there are people there ready to help you. Have a good week. We'll be back again next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.